All right, let's go. So the, uh, the, pro- the problems just aren't underwater. Let's have some, more, let's have some more, more stories about what's going on above land. I think we're all, uh, anyone who drives the roads at night here will have noticed a bit of a change in the scenery. Uh, the little wallabies are, are fewer and further between and the, uh, and, uh, the big roos. Uh, they've been replaced by a couple of other species, probably about six or seven feral deer in the, in the, in the Australian uh, bush now. And uh, they've been joined by some new little ones, little, uh, little things that root around the bush, uh, root, root around the bush, eat everything in sight, um, wallow in the mud, destroy everything, destroy fences, and, and, and they're causing a bit of problem. And so I just need to introduce to you someone who is a local person who's been here, an advocate, a conservationist, a worker, a bloke, a father, and that is Dr. Jack Pascoe from the Conservation Ecology Centre in Cape Otway. Hello, Dr. Jack. Hello, mate. Can we call you Jack? You can. Do we, or do I call you doctor? You do, but it's weird. <laughs> Thank you. No one else does that. <laughs> um, and then there's a bloke who goes out with a gun and is helping solve the problem uh, from Dharma Dharma Wild Harvest at Venison is Anthony Rogaday. And someone who is at the, um, at the, at the coal face of this, where um, feral animals meet destruction, from Garanga Meat, farmer Margie Drake. G'day, and please welcome them here to the Apollo Bay Festival. <laughs> Seafood. How about that whale story, guys? That's, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, the stories that are going for that long in time and space. Mm. You're like, you know, that's, that's, like the, that's like the internet, uh, that's like the, you know, the, the old cables that used to go around the world. They have a story that connects First Nations people around the world. That's, that's, that's pretty amazing. That it tells a story of how people migrated across the planet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, the, that's that, the way that story works. It's like, okay. Oh, this, 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 I just find this, this, this... I get tired by this time of the day because my mind's blown by about 11.30. I don't know if you're struggling to keep up, but I certainly am. <laughs> hey, um, let's talk about... Let's, talk, let's go under the bush. Let's go, where should we start? Pigs. I don't... I, I, I reckon pigs have been here for a long time, Dr. Jack Pascoe, haven't they? Been here for a little while, yeah. So that there's been a couple of populations in the Otways. We're talking specifically about the Otways yeah. that we've known about but have um, kept to themselves for a while. And probably over the last five or six years, they've started to spread out a little bit and be seen more and more frequently. So we started to bang the tin drum a bit and um, get when we excited. About, let's, let's define them. Let's define these pigs. So are they like your normal, like your, your white English pig that you'll to be turned to bacon? Are they basically that those pigs have gone wild? They, they largely start off that way with people breeding them on their properties, um, and then uh, generally they're released. And it doesn't take what one or two generations before they pretty well resemble feral pigs. So. Yeah big dark hairy fellas um, and yeah so I, I think uh, we're constantly getting that sort of behaviour where animals are being released illegally um, but where let's go back yeah. they're being released illegally yeah for we're, talking, we're talking about farm escapees now we're talking about animals being released illegally yeah no we're not talking about farm escapees we're talking about illegal releases for hunting purposes so well, hang on let's slow this down a bit let's get, yep. I'm a, sorry I'm, I'm a dumb city person mm. so what people well, I don't think you are Richard, yeah I've been disingenuous <laughs> um, but 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 um, mate what what is we're talking about people like hunters releasing these animals? That's right, yeah. So it's obviously really entertaining to shoot feral pigs on weekends. Um, and uh, that's basically what's been done in the Otways for a long time. Largely those animals get cleaned up um, by the hunters. They, they go and get most of them. And, and some of the practices that they use in order to do that are pretty appalling, but they miss them. And so we've had established populations in certain places because of them missing some animals. So for instance, on the West Barwon Dam is quite a problem and has been for a long time. 
um, and we get these populations that um, erupt and more and more we've probably got more of these established populations of pigs across the Otways now than we have previously. Alright, so we've got these pigs. Uh, can you describe them? You said they're big black furry creatures. What do they look like and how big are they? Are we getting? talking about the, the individuals releasing them or are we talking about... <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're talking about animals up to 100, 110 kilos. We're talking about big animals, the boars. They're, they're scary things, really. Um, and, you know, or anyway, downwards. We're talking about in the right season, sows above 30 kilos always being pregnant. So the capacity for these populations to expand and have, you know, each, each sow can have 13 piglets is, is quite exponential. So, um, and we, we're not even really talking yet about the damage that these animals are doing. It's quite extraordinary. And Margie can probably talk about what's happened on her, her property. In, but um, the damage that, you know, hard-hooved animals, and I, I guess we need to group the four species of deer that we have in the Otways in the same thing. We know it's damaging to soils. Uh, they're incredibly bad for waterways. Um, and things like pigs are, uh, are rooting around disturbing soil uh, and deer are selective grazers, so they actually browsers, so they're actually taking out species of plants selectively and, and we're probably not even aware of what they're doing. Okay, let's have a look, let's paint a picture of uh, what the um, pigs are doing to begin with. So we're on the, uh, so we're on the which side are the, near Barwon Down, just said? Uh, so that, yeah, there's on the, the West Barwon Dam, which is up around Forest, but we've got a number of populations across the Otways. And we're, we're pretty coy about talking about where they are because it does tend to generate illegal activity when people know where they are. So we don't get specific. Okay, let's talk about specific, then specific types of forest they're in. We're talking like the, the, the mountain ash or the blue gums or the, or the uh, rainforest species. We've got, so we, we've done quite a bit of research and then we're, we're running a... Um, a fairly integrated research and management program with pigs in particular. So we've been, one of the things that we've been doing is attaching uh, radio tracking or uh, GPS data loggers to collars and, and uh, attaching them to to sows and boars and releasing them. Um, and they've, they've sort of shown us their behaviours. Um, and they, you know, they're living anywhere from wet forest to, to heathland more recently. Okay. And they're moving, uh, the sows tend to stay at home, and the, but the boars are moving incredibly long distances. So, you know, 30, 40 k's over, across an area um, and introducing us to their, uh, their girls as they go through their, their habitat. But they, they really are um, they're pretty widespread, or not so much widespread, but they're certainly using all the, all the environments in the Otways that uh, they can. Uh, pigs do really well. I mean, they don't need a lot. Um, they're particularly excited about coming out of the forest during what June, July, August, when, when the bugs are in the pasture and, and doing the damage then. But then they back off into the forest and um, do what they need to. Before we get in the pasture, what damage are they doing to the forest? Really hard to quantify it. And, and it's the same issue with deer, really. In terms of quantifying uh, the impact, um, because the experiments are very hard to establish. So, I mean, you need a plot where there are no pigs and deer in order to measure the impacts, if that makes sense. That's a very difficult thing to do without exclusion fencing, and that only works when the densities are high. So there's some challenges directly, in, but we know uh, pigs, you know, they do extraordinary damage to soil. So and because of that, they cause erosion. They've got pads where they're walking constantly, completely bearing it. We probably don't know the damage that they're doing to vegetation because they'll be very selective about their eating. We don't know what that means in terms of invertebrate damage. Um, they're the things that we don't know. Um, and, and deer, similarly difficult to measure impacts, but you'll see the damage for deer because there's so many of them across the Otways. So they're growing antler every year um, 
just before they go into rut, they're shredding young trees because they're rubbing the soft bits of their antlers off on, on young saplings. And deer are really a selective browser, so they go after things that are high in nitrogen, so they're looking for leguminous plants. And so those things can sometimes disappear out of the forest and you haven't even noticed. So leguminous plants would be like an acacia, like a wattles? Yeah, into acacias, really into peas, so things like um, Indigophora australis, which is that beautiful purple flowering pea. But really difficult things to quantify, Richard. What we can do is track numbers, and that's probably what we're best at doing. Let's have a, let's have a listen to, um, to Margie, what the pig's been doing at your place. Where's, where's your farm? It's uh, about 7Ks uh, west of Forest. 7K west of Forest, okay. So what sort of country are we in? Uh, we're talking a lot of bush. Yeah. Uh, we, on three sides of a property, adjoin National Park. All right. So we're open to everything that comes mm. out of there, deer, pig, whatever. Yeah. Um, but first thing we noticed was uh, just some little pigs, a litter of pigs when we were squirting blackberry and we thought, oh, cute little fellas, what's happening here? And then we did a bit of research and, and found that they can do a lot of damage. And before too long, one morning woke up and uh, one of our paddocks was completely decimated. Uh, Ten acres just chopped up. Pasture? Pasture. Okay, yep. so they're coming out of the bush at a certain time they eat the bugs in the soil. Eat the bugs in the soil. Oh, and okay. they absolutely root it up everywhere. You have to totally re-renovate the whole paddock. And uh, from a cost perspective, we did a bit of an analysis. And a 10-acre paddock um, would cost, depending on how you want to renovate it, but if you have to go through the whole thing, which we did, um, about four to $5,000. Okay. And, and, that's and they did about 10 paddocks. All right. Okay. Yes. So that's so well, they, haven't, they haven't touched the fences. They, they've well, they will touch the fence. Well, the biggest destroyer of fences we find are kangaroos. Yep. Then the pigs will go through the fences and make it even worse. Okay. So, not so much the fence. If, if you, a lot of our paddocks have just plain wires. Yep. So they don't tend to um, generally destroy those too much. So one morning you wake up and then what was green the night before. Running, running the cows rotary next time. Yep, rotary hoed. Well, could you, yep. could you plant carrots afterwards or something? Like that? <laughs> Am I being naive? The only thing that grows is weeds. Yeah, and, um, isn't that, yeah so there's a tennis yeah. or bank cape weed or whatever you've got up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, not a much cape weed, but uh, it, it's, and it's too rough to drive over. Yeah. Um, and so you just have to totally renovate the whole paddock again. So what's your solution? Well, our first solution, along with a lot of other farmers initially, was just to... Um, get a trusted hunter, which are few and far between. And uh, it's okay, he'll come back and he'll say, okay, Margie, last night I shot one, two, if they're lucky. But are, they, sorry, are, they, are, these, are these licensed professional hunters or, or no. rec, rec hunters? Rec, rec, hun recreational rec hunters. Rec hunters. Okay. And we then got into discussions with the Conservation Ecology Centre, and that was a total game changer where they collared a couple of pigs and we thought, well, collaring pigs and letting them go. But um, the whole emphasis of the program was to get the whole mob, not just one individual. The hunter was, some of them were thinking doing the right things, you shoot one pig, you scatter the rest to everybody else. Now a lot of farmers are happy with that because they've got rid of the pigs on your place and they've no longer got the problem. But, um, you know, the guys from CSC actually trapped within four months 66 pigs on our place and 44 in utero. So, so, so you said trapped? Trapped. How do you trap, a, how do you trap, pig, trap a pig? Well, 
Jack can probably explain a bit better, but um, he's more articulate than what I am. Oh, I don't know about that, Margie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're doing all right. We, um, when we were designing this project, we put quite a lot of thought into it because we were quite aware of some projects with pigs in the southwest of Victoria that were failing quite badly to trap animals, and we didn't want to fall into the same trap. So we we did a bit of talking with people, and we basically came up with a well, we didn't come up with it. I, I would be lying, but a, a camera called a hog eye camera that basically sits uh, overlooking what is effectively a panel trap with one panel trap, one of the panels, which is just sitting up in the air, and. Um, the, like, like a big box, big box with something uh, about exactly. to swing like, down. Like on. stock panels, you know, oh, big yeah, steel yeah. stock panels. Um, and you, you can sit back in your bedroom and, and basically the, the, the app that's linked to the phone will send you a, a, a text message saying that there's something that's walked in front of the camera. And so you're in your bed and you just hit play and then you can watch the footage. And so we invested quite heavily in understanding the pig populations we were dealing with. So before that we got to this point, so we're doing a lot of free feeding. Animals are comfortable with the traps. We know okay. that we're getting every animal in the trap. Okay. And then you're just sitting up there having a cup of tea and you go, bang, Time's right. drop the panel when every last pig is in there and, and you've got them. And so then you, you've got the panel there a couple of nights, you're feeding them, give a nice bit of tucker, that's right. come around for dinner. Yeah, it can take a couple of months from, yeah. from identification of the location where the animals are hanging out yeah. to uh, identifying the individual, individuals within a mob, so you articulate, don't know, can't get my words out, Margie. <laughs> but then getting all of those animals hooked on the, uh, on the feed and then getting them comfortable using the, using the trap area. Okay, cool, cool. And so we've got them in there. What do we do with them next? Uh, then we very, uh, get people that are really good at using firearms to do it. We, yeah, we, we shoot them, yep. yep. Humanely. And then Absolutely. you do eviscerate them to see what's in their guts and stuff like that? So we've done a little bit. We've, we've probably been more interested um, in, uh, in the DNA and understanding how related they are and so that we can understand whether or not these are old school pigs from back in the day or whether we're getting new genetics coming through all the time. Done. Really interesting, because we've had pigs here since 1770. We've had pigs here since Cook, they escaped from, yep. and, yeah, was it Townsville or something, or something like that, or yeah. Cape New York, Cooktown or something. When they mm. But they're becoming more of an, well, in some areas well established in Victoria, but in Victoria yeah. in particular, becoming more and more of an emerging threat. And, and whether or not that's just populations were at a point or we've come through the millennium drought and now we've had some good good rain and, yeah. and that's helped them, but they're really flourishing in a lot of places in Victoria that they haven't been in the past. Can we just leave those pig carcasses hanging in the air, metaphorically and literally for one second, and move across back to the deer problem? <clears throat> deer have got this amazing way of, um, of being. They're amazing animals and amazing, uh, amazing feeders as well. And so what, 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 why a deer... Uh, which basically look like they feel an basically look like a four-legged kangaroo when you look them up, up in the face. What what are the damage they're doing to the bush? Um, well, to give you an idea of like with when I eviscerate a, a deer, because you're a professional I, deer, I'm a professional commercial hunter deer hunter. Yeah. <laughs> After 12 months of, of business, I've finally got my professional status. But um, to give you an idea of what they eat, their stomach contents, without a word of a lie, is a, a foot an enlarged soccer ball that would be about 10 kilos. And that's what they will be browsing, as Jack's saying. They go through and eat the good stuff. So when the blackberries are in, their noses are into the blackberries and they're eating all the fruit, which is great like from a, a food point of view because they taste great. They take all the new tips off everything. If they won't, I find they don't herd through paddocks where cattle still are because they only eat new growth. 
So they'll come through a, a dairy farmer's paddocks when, you know, where I, I harvest at different points. They won't be where the cattle have been in the last two or three days. They'll be in the, the new section that's due to be cut for hay and they'll be eating all the good they're, stuff. They're nature's tip pruners. Pretty much. But, but you but then look at that from a plant's perspective. Yeah. That's the, where all the new growth comes from and, and the good plants that should be there are getting heavily browned. That's the suckers. They're the seedlings. They're, yeah, that's yeah. the new growth. All the new stuff. I've heard those horror stories out of Scotland where the, the ancient Caledonian forest, which was that survived, mm. uh, which is ancient Douglas fir, uh, ancient fir forest in Scotland, mm. uh, it cannot be regenerated because there's so many deer there without apex predators. Yeah, yeah. That they just anything that near the growth just bang. That's the thing for the deer in the Otways. There are no apex predators for them except jokers like me with guns who go out but they can we just remove the word joker from the record please (laughs) (laughs) um highly trained professionals thank you very much um yeah so i've sort of gone from recreationally hunting for 12 years or so um and saw the the deer numbers in the otway so i was always harvesting or shooting recreationally down in the the state forests through the otways and seeing the numbers grow to a point that groups of us would go out and hunt together and we'd sort of go, like, I would, I could easily go and take two deer in a day and bring them home. And I didn't have the the, the need for all that meat. So and that, I, I won't leave it on the ground. So I was sharing it out, found out that's illegal, and then went, well, I want to donate it. So, okay, cool. So we're in a situation where you're, for that decade or more, you're learning those skills, those bush skills. Yeah. How to track the bush, walk the bush, walk, find out those tracks, yep. how to look at it and actually be able to get close enough to a deer so it, you know where it is. It may or may not know where you are, but yeah. close enough to put a bullet, bullet through it. Yeah. There, um, I do now professionally, I do it with thermal imagery of a night. So I walk in the dark pretty much with a thermal monocular and have thermal... Because Dumb and Dumb and Wild Harvest Venison is yep. now doing this, so you can we can buy the meat, okay? You can, yeah. So you, you've changed your hunting method dramatically because yes. of that, haven't you? Yeah, I went from, as a recreational hunter, you'll always shoot the largest mass chest shot, try and do the maximum damage to the animal. Now I have to, under the... Um, the um, I'm sorry, is it? The, no, no. Humane Treatment of Animals Act. Sorry, thanks, Beth. Um, I have to brain shoot them, so they, there's there's no wounding. It's either I miss or I hit, and they and I hit and they drop cold, which I love because I don't have any wounded animals running off because I feel horrible about that. Despite what people think are hunters, we don't. Most of us don't like wounding and wasting meat, and having an animal go away and suffer in the bush for an hour. So I hit them in the head. They drop cold. And I don't waste any meat either, so the, what I then harvest is then human consumable. Let's talk about that harvesting for a second, yep. because it, we have to eat at the end of the day. Yeah. So you, we, you've got the car, you've got the uh, the animal there. Uh, yes. you, you have to what? Dra- you have to take it back to the truck, wouldn't you? I, yeah, I, ha- I have a purpose-built harvesting rig. You just have to carry it through the bush a bit, wouldn't you? I, no, I've got a boat anchor winch. I got smarter. I'm old, so I got smarter <laughs> as I got older. Um, I have a 150 metres of, of winch line yeah. that I can slide the animal to the truck, yeah. and I haul it up with another winch, and I. I gut it. I leave the heart, liver, kidneys, lungs in place. Why do you have to do that? On. Why do you have to leave the heart, the, the plaque in For the place? meat inspectors to... Oh, okay. So I take it, it goes to a chiller, 
um, an accredited chiller, and then after a week of hanging and ageing, it goes to Castle Estate and the meat inspectors inspect it for me. Um, and then my butchers pick it up from there. They're based in Colac, um, and they, they pick them up, take it back and process it to the needs I have for my restaurants that I supply and the markets that I sell to. What would some of those restaurants be? If you've just um, I've got about 17 on the list, but... Um, the closest one is Gray's, which is here in Apollo Bay. So that would be Gray's Restaurant with uh, Chef is. Julian uh, Toussaint. Yeah. Oh, hello. Legendary Julian. Julian Toussaint. Um, so I also um, sell to Bray and Moonar restaurants have been my cl- my biggest um, customers for the longest period of time. Can we just say, when you say Bray and Moonar restaurants, these are two of the best, perhaps even internationally recognised. Two and three-headed, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, recognised restaurants. Yeah, I've, I've landed in the right end of town. Okay. Um, are they paying their bills? That's all. That's, they oh, are. Okay. Yeah, they're all yeah. paying their bills. Good. Um, then the perch up at Lavers Hill. So, yes. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like I'll harvest deer about six k's up the road here. Yeah. And... Um, Jules gets to use them in the restaurant locally, and I harvest five k's from the perch in Lavers Hill, and they use it up yep, there. Yep. So we're trying to keep it as local as we can, but we also go to Geelong, at Torquay, Samson, Luckershet, Q Train, Salt at Warnable, RACV Cape Shank, and Torquay, Mavita, Carlton Wine Rooms have just started using us, Hazel Bar Midland up at uh, Castlemaine. Yep. A wild sourced protein only. Yep. And 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 Chauncey at Heathcote, we were lucky enough to supply for quite a while. So. And as a food writer, Anthony, can I say they're the restaurants I eat at? Yes. Yeah. I figured you you've probably had some of it. Yeah, you get a lot, fair bit. Right. It, it's all right. Um, yeah. So so we've got a situation now. So we're 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 working on this little bit of a problem here. And anyone interested, they can get it online. They, they you can. Do, you yeah. deliver. You I've del- left my cards on the table okay, over there. We'll go for these we do here. do home delivery in the local area. I do a all of that myself and Beth helps with but also um, Melbourne Melbourne Ballarat Warrnambool so we're covering sort of a fair semicircle of Victoria do you do well. broom by any chance with some people broom, from no, WA no no yeah, yeah. okay I, I could post our bill tong so We've I'd got we've got a wide range of products. You could probably swap with some of, some of the more cantankerous camels. Yeah. No, yeah. Sorry, I'll stop that here. <laughs> no. Okay, so we've got the, we've that we're gonna we're gonna um, uh, some reasonable response to yes. to we can be part of that solution to the venison. Yeah. Jack, let's go back to those pigs. They're hanging up in the air. Can we eat them? Uh, it's a similar arrangement as it is with with uh, venison. In fact, yeah. If Probably the commercial quantities aren't there at the moment in the Otways to make it worthwhile, and I would like it to stay that way, Richard. But yeah, that, what we've seen of the carcasses is they look pretty clean. That they're probably not getting stuck into anything nasty. But um, yes, preferably it wasn't an industry that Isn't took that off. That's that's the thing where we'll probably touch upon our next session is um, is that if, we're, if they've got enough to continually supply restaurants and us, that means that they're continuing to be a pro- problem in the environment. You're looking at more of an eradication problem, aren't you? At the very least, containment, yeah. So, look, I think we're at a point in the Otways with pigs in particular where we could, um, we could, we've taken some of the populations from very healthy to a couple of transient non breeding boars. Uh, Hang on, they're non breeding, how do you know that? Well, because there are no sows in their range that we're aware of. I thought you might have been quick with a knife. No, no, it's a good point, though. We could think about that in the future, Richard. Yeah, yeah, so, um, and and we would expect to have some wins over the next few years if we can maintain the program with pig populations. And um, I don't know, I was far less optimistic than I am now two years ago. So I think that's that's a win. Mark, are you happy with that? Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, well, we have went from 77 pigs that we caught 
and trapped and disposed of. And I might have, I have eaten one of Big Squid on our place and it was delicious. How, how, how did you cook it? <laughs> yeah. It was a, a pork belly. Yeah. So slow roasted. Yeah. Crispy on top. Yeah. Delicious. <laughs> pork the next day. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, okay. I'm going to go into some dark territory talking about cooking piglets now, but I won't. Um. Well, I have got a couple of neighbours who are chefs that uh, say that any little piglet that I might come across could be used for uh, something big. So it's just like, so we've got this situation where we're, we're trying to get rid of them. Um, we, might be having, we might be having a good shot at it with the pigs. Oh, they, they terrify me, pigs. Yeah, they're um, scary. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've been out pig, pig hunting and I don't, would not want to get in the way of a pig. Yeah. No, no. Look, it changes the way you feel about the bush, I reckon. In, in New South Wales, if, you, if you're thinking pigs and scrub bulls, you walk differently through the bush. Um, yeah. You have to know how to run, you have to know how to run, a, and run up a tree. Or how do you run up a tree, Richard? Yeah, that's what, that, that's what I'm saying. You have to know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I was nervous in New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, uh, look. Uh, thank you guys for coming today. And um, the, the, another problem, perhaps there's some solution, part part solution, but yeah, the part of the conversation. Uh, Jack, how do we engage? Uh, how do we engage with your organisation, which I cannot, which I can never remember. Conservation Ecology Centre. We yeah. we have a website. We're always looking for people to support the works that we do locally. Um, yeah, Conservation Ecology Centre. And how, what's our email? What's our uh, website? Dot org. I was going to say .com, that's why I don't do that part. Yeah, so, yeah, so if any, anyone who, um, and what's, what's, if someone's out of town, Jack, how do they engage with the organisation? Is there some other ways they could go and check it out and see your works? Yep, look, I mean, so one of the best ways to get involved or look, understand about more of what we do, Wildlife Wonders, is our social enterprise, which is just up the road, running tours about the local area, wildlife, and see some amazing things that you don't see very often in the bush, so that, that's a a really tangible way of supporting us. Yeah, I can't, I can't recommend anyone who's out of town um, have checked it out. That's one of, I think, one of uh, Australia's best uh, ecological interfaces in, 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 a, in a customer based situation. You get to see animals you don't normally see, and there's a big fence around it, and, it's, and the bush. The bush is healthy and get to learn about the way the bush can be managed in a, in a special way, in an, in an old way. Um, so you can, can have that biodiversity. Um, can I please thank everyone for coming up? Um, Dr. Jack, Anthony, Margie, thank you for coming. And um, let's, let's talk about our food now as we close the day. Can you give me a round of applause?